everybody, and thanks for listening once again to Thinking Biblically About Things That Matter. Um, my name is Steve Ron. I'm one of the pastors here at First Baptist Church in Warsaw, and we are still working our way through our series on gender. This is our third, third lesson on the topic of gender. For the first couple of weeks, we tried to get an understanding of the gender confusion in the world around us. Uh, we looked at some of the factors um, that are contributing to it. And, um, and so that's what we did the first couple of weeks. Now we're going to look at how the Bible itself addresses it. So there are, there are two things um, that we have to say today about that. So this, that's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. We're going to see how the Bible addresses it. Um, today, we want to say two things. One, we want to say the, the Bible unashamedly claims its own authority. Um, hopefully, as we go through this, it'll become clear just what a joy that is, what a, what a grace from God it is that the, that the Bible says, here's the final word on the matter. The, 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 it is such a kindness from God for him to say to us, here is the final word on the matter. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is God-breathed. That's just a, it's just a relief. It's just a joy. It's just a joy. We, we know from scripture that God is the creator of all things. Everything is from him, Romans says. Everything is through him. Everything is to him. It's for his glory. He has the right to tell everyone what to do. And everything he commands is good. Psalm 119 says, All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. God alone is the standard for what is right and what is wrong. And he has given us his standard in his word. So when we think, how does the Bible address gender confusion? How does the Bible address any confusion? What we have to see right away is that Number one, the Bible unashamedly claims its own authority. And uh, um, as, we, as we think about this together, hopefully what we see is this, is this is God's kindness to us. Authority is good. A standard is good. A foundation is good. Just the truth. Here is the truth. It doesn't, we don't always automatically like it. There, we have questions about it, perhaps, but the, the, the great kindness from God is that he has said, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's what's true. Here's what you must believe. Here's how you must live. Um, this is his kindness to us in, in, in giving us his authoritative word. So first thing, the Bible unashamedly claims its own authority. The second thing we want to see, and this is actually going to take... Um, two lessons to completely unpack. So we're only going to start to unpack it today. But the second thing we have to see is, and this is so important for the, um, for the, the debate, the conversation swirling around all of this gender confusion. This, this is such an important thing to understand. All right, that, that here, and here it is. Um, and we're going to unpack this over the next couple of lessons, but here it is. Number two, the Bible completely rejects moral relativism 
expressive individualism, and critical theory. Those are those are three elements that are sort of fueling um, the transgender movement. They're, they're, they're fueling all of this gender confusion, right? Um, so so the, we have to understand the Bible completely rejects moral relativism and expressive individualism and critical theory. Now that is a that is a mouthful. Um, and what, what we want to start with, and, and we're actually going to end with this too. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna briefly mention these verses right now. And then at the end of next week's lesson, we're going to unpack them further. We're going to think about them um, even more. But um, what we have to kind of sort of see the world through this lens, through this biblical lens, and that is Jeremiah 17.9. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 17 also says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. Because down in verse 10 it says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. The Lord himself and the Lord alone holds the standard for what is right and wrong. In fact, he is the standard for what is right and what is wrong. The the Lord holds the universal objective standard for how we must think, how we must live, what we must believe. So if if you trust in yourself, if you trust in your own heart, Jeremiah 17 says, uh, you, you, you will, you will in the end, you will in the end be judged, not according to whether or not you lived according to your own heart well enough. That's not going to be the standard the Lord uses. He is going to be using his own objective standard for good and evil, for right and wrong, for truth and lies. The Lord is going to search the heart and test the mind. He's going to to test it and search it according to his own good, pure word, his own righteous, eternal laws. So when we think about moral relativism and expressive individualism and critical theory, we must remember the piercing words of Scripture which say, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We must have that verse rattling around in our heart, in our mind, as we're thinking about this. And and, and that will help us to understand that the Bible completely rejects moral relativism and expressive individualism and critical theory. Now, we we're only going to look at the first two of those today. We're going to look at how the Bible com- rejects moral relativism and expressive individualism. All right, we're going to, and then we're going to think about um, critical theory uh, next week um, in next week's lesson. So first, let's think about um, 
moral relativism and expressive individualism. First, moral, moral relativism. What is moral relativism? Well, in a word, it's a mess. Mor moral relativism, in a word, is a mess. Um, essentially, um, it, it, moral relativism means that people, uh, people, who, people who are moral relativists, they would say that, that, that everyone should try to be good, right? They should try to be good. They should try to do the right thing. But a moral relativist would also say that, that goodness, right and wrong, um, truth and lies, these are not universally applicable things. In other words, there is no common standard that everyone must abide by. There's no, there's no baseline for what is good or what is evil. Um, a moral relativist would say that in order to be good or to be right, you must simply do what seems good to you. That's, that's sort of the baseline. The baseline is what seems good to you. Um, and, and so there are, there are different forms of moral relativism, right? And, and, and so I'm oversimplifying it a little bit, but really you have two camps of people. You have um, someone who believes in objective morality, this would be a religious person, um, not necessarily a Christian, but Christians would fall into this. Because uh, a Christian would say we get our objective standard of morality, of, of good and evil. We get it from the Bible. The Bible is just universally true. It's just true for all people everywhere throughout all of time. The Bible is true. And there are other religions who have their own sacred texts who would believe the same sorts of things about their sacred texts. Right? Um, but then you have moral relativists, which is what most people are today. And they would say there isn't really a sacred text. There is no, there is no universal law. There is no universal good and evil. You have to just do what's good in your own mind. It's kind of like the, the, the people in the book of Judges. They, they did what was right in their own eyes. That's, it's that sort of thing. This is not new. It's just got this new fancy label, moral relativism. Well, hopefully, we understand, hopefully, it's just kind of apparent to us right away that it's absurd, that moral relativism is just a series of contradictions, right? Because it's a system that says there is no baseline, there's no absolute truth, there's no absolute good, there's no absolute standard for morality, but then also you're, you're going to hear moral relativists say all the time that it's wrong for someone to impose their morality on someone else. For instance, if I preach against homosexuality, or if I forbid my children from pursuing same-sex relationships, or I strongly discourage someone from thinking about transitioning to a different gender or something like that, like if I, if, if I, um, if I come out against abortion, if I preach and say that, that some of these things are wrong, According to the Bible, well, well, a moral relativist, uh, they, they, they might say to me, you, you can't impose your morality on someone else. It's wrong for you to say that's wrong. It's wrong. You have no right to say that that is wrong. Now, the obvious logical problem here is that when they say it's wrong for me to say something is wrong, they're imposing their morality on me, Right? In fact, to say there is no universal standard of what is right and wrong, there is no universal truth, that's a universal statement, right? Uh, that's, that's an objective statement to say there is no objective good. There is no objective truth.
And so moral relativism is, it's a, it's a series of contradictions, right? And I think we can kind of take a, just a kind of a simple look at it and, and see, yeah, it's, it's problematic. We can see, yeah, Jeremiah 17.9 is true. The, the heart, the, if, if, if we sort of just live according to our heart, um, it's, we're going to see it's, it's desperately sick. It's evil, desperately sick. And who can really know it? We see that right away just, just thinking about moral relativism. We, we, and, 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 and once we kind of step back, we say, there probably isn't really such a thing as a true moral relativist. There, there, are, there are not very many true moral relativists. The, the, you know, like pretty much everybody believes that Hitler was wrong. You know, the, the, even people say there's no, there's no baseline, there's no line, there's no line for good and evil. You know, we, we have to kind of come to this from our own heart or our own understanding. They, they would say there's no line, but, but also Hitler crossed it. You know, there is no line, but Hitler crossed it. That's, you, you know, most everybody understands. Um, no, no one is saying when they, when they, when they see the, the atrocities of, of Germany, 1930s, 1940s. No, nobody's saying, oh yeah, that was, you know, I wouldn't have done that, but you know, he, he, he was just doing what seemed good to him. So it's fine. No one, no one is a true moral relativist. And I, I think we're seeing that in all of the gender confusion, aren't we? Because we have, we have, we have moral relativists on both sides of the debate. You, you know, there's great disagreement. There is great disagreement among people who, they're not, they're not Bible people. They're not religious people in any way. And they're, they're, they're not saying there's some sort of, there's some sort of, sort of um, standard, there's some sort of moral code that we all have to live by. They're not saying that. But they're also saying, uh, we should not be encouraging children to transition. We should not be, we should not be giving children hormone therapy. therapy. We, should, we should not be giving children options for like realignment surgery. We shouldn't be doing that. There's a line somewhere. There, there are... There are very secular people, just completely secular people with, with really a, a very moral relativistic worldview who are saying uh, biological males should not be competing against women in sports. They, they should not be showering and changing with, with a woman's sports team. They, they shouldn't be using a woman's bathroom. Uh, I don't. I don't believe that there is a line. I don't think there's a line, but I think that they've crossed it. You know, that's that's sort of the the fruit of moral relativism. Um, is is just this? Um, there's this great confusion now. There's this great confusion. Um, and you, so you're going to if 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 you're going to kind of swim in this world of moral relativism where there is really no foundation. There's no place to plant your feet it's going to be hard for you to to objectively answer the question is it right to let a child undergo serious physical alteration is it right to let a biological male shower and change with a women's sports team is this stuff right is it okay and and what you'll see if you pay close attention to the debate is that there are moral relativists on both sides there's there's people on on both sides, who would say, I don't, I don't believe in this firm standard for right and wrong. I don't believe in this objective baseline for good and evil. 
but I but I also think that that if you allow a child to transition or if you encourage a child to transition if you encourage a child to to undergo hormone therapy or or surgical realignment if you if you encourage that that's that's wrong and then you have people on the other side saying if you discourage that it's wrong this is the fruit of moral relativism all right so you say it does it's not quite consistent it doesn't quite make sense no no it doesn't because the heart is desperately sick the heart is desperately sick so now what we have to do is we have to we have to think about the other thing the bible just rejects right and that is expressive individualism the the bible clearly rejects moral relativism and it also clearly rejects expressive individualism um and and this will this will kind of help us as we think about expressive individualism this it individualism this this will kind of help us to 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 get a hold on what we're hearing and what we're seeing in the world around us and why it's so essential for us to hold up Jeremiah 17:9 and just say no we can't do that heart can't be trusted we can't go this way pretty clear heart can't be trusted we must trust in the lord we must trust in the eternally pure eternally good commands of the lord we 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 got to we got to plant our feet there we have to because expressive individualism is this idea right that um and we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks it's this idea that what's happening in my inner psychological life in my in my inner thoughts in my inner feelings what's happening inside of my mind is the is the truest most important thing about me that is who i am i am my gender identity i am my sexual orientation we've we've seen that we can thank you know good old grandpa freud for that right that that we that that we are our 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 gender identity and our sexual orientation that is who we are that is that is us that is my person that is my person right and so now what has happened because of expressive individualism be, because be, because i have to be true to myself now i have to be true to myself i have to speak my truth i have to live my truth i have to be me and me now is who i feel myself to be who i think that i am what seems the most natural and the most right to me so basically what jeremiah 17 says look around what people are depending upon their evil and their desperately sick heart that's that's what they're depending on that's what they're planting their feet on a desperately sick heart that no one can even truly know and so now because of expressive individualism 
because who I am now is, is my inner psychological life, and I must express that. Who, now what's happening is that if, if someone doesn't want to legalize and normalize and celebrate my choices, they are now personally attacking me. They are, they are abusing my person. It is now, it is now abuse. It is abuse to say that someone shouldn't have a homosexual lifestyle, that, that someone shouldn't try to, someone should, shouldn't, that, that, that it, it, it is now abuse to, to say that someone's gender identity must line up with their biological sex they were born with. That, they, that, that, that is what is good. That is what is normal. That is what is true. Is you, you, you are the, 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 you are the, the gender that matches the biological sex you were born with. Your gender identity must match your body. To, to say that, to say that is now to attack a, a person. That's a, that's a personal attack. It's a personal attack. And that is, so that is just greatly changing the idea of freedom of speech and freedom of religion um, in our country. A couple hundred years ago, Thomas Jefferson says, Thomas Jefferson said, he said, it does me no injury for my neighbor to say there are 20 gods or no god. It neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg. Thomas Jefferson, um, he, he had very... Um, strange, unorthodox views. Okay, so he wasn't what we would call an orthodox Christian. He wasn't. He he was not a Christian. All right. He he didn't believe in the supernatural parts of the story of Jesus's life. He he famously cut those out. Right. He the Jefferson Bible. He he cut out all the miracles and everything. Um, and so he wasn't what we would call a Christian. Um, for sure. But he firmly fiercely believed in freedom of religion. Um, and, and he, um, so the Baptists loved him, the Presbyterians loved him, um, because he wanted them to have the, 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 the right, the freedom to worship how they pleased. Because, he says, they're not hurting me. They're not hurting me. My neighbor, as long as he doesn't pick my pocket, as long as he doesn't break my legs, He's not abusing me. He can, he, can, he can preach the word of God. He can believe the word of God. He can say, here's what the word of God says, without doing me harm. But those days are gone. We're, we are far removed from the days of Thomas Jefferson. So now, if a person because of their religious beliefs, because of the, the way the Bible has shaped their conscience, because, because of what they believe to be true from the Word of God. If, if they stand up and say homosexuality is a sin, that is now a, a personal attack on people. Right? We, we, we saw this very clearly um, 
with that um, sort of famous case of the of the baker in 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 California, I believe the baker um, who who wouldn't do the cake for the gay wedding. That that baker didn't abuse anyone. They didn't attack anyone. Um, they they actually didn't they didn't aggressively do anything. That that baker would have let that wedding go on, and that 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 baker was the the baker wasn't holding some sort of of like of campaign. They weren't rallying the troops. They weren't taking an ad out in the newspaper. They were not on the attack whatsoever. They were literally minding their own business. All they did was say, we don't want to do the cake for this wedding. They weren't saying, we don't think, they, they weren't saying anything. They, they, they weren't saying, don't get married. They weren't saying, I hope no other, we're not going to let any of our other baker friends do your way. Like we, they, they weren't doing, they, all they did was say, no, we won't because, because our conscience won't allow us to do the cake for a gay wedding. And that itself was seen as an attack. That itself was seen as personal abuse. So attack used to be, like abuse used to be, like if, if, if people waited outside a gay bar and then, and then, and then jumped people when they, when they came out and, and pounded on them, or, or, or if they, they went to a gay bar and broke all of the, the windows in the cars or something, it, an attack used to be an attack. Harmful speech used to be speech that incited violence, right? When you, when you incited violence against someone, that was abusive speech. That would be illegal, unethical speech. But now, simply to say, I disagree. I disagree. To, to, to now to say, no, the, the word of God says that that lifestyle is wrong. It's sinful. The, to now say... That, that, that sexual intimacy belongs only in heterosexual marriage. In, in, that's, that's the only place the sexual intimacy belongs. It is a great joy. It is a great gift from God. Um, and it is given to us within the bounds of holy marriage, biblical marriage. Now to say that is abusive. It's an attack. It's it's an attack. Because it is a rejection of what someone believes to be the truest thing about them. If you disapprove of my, my sexual desire and my sexual activity, you disapprove of me as a person. You are saying I'm a worthless person. This is this is an attack. It is abuse. Therefore, it's immoral. That's kind of how we have this, this weird combination of there is no standard for right and wrong, and yet if you disapprove of my choices... You have crossed the line. That's how we have that weird, contradictory combination of things. Those two things shouldn't go together. There is no universal standard. Also, you've crossed the line. Well, well, we get that by combining moral relativism 
with expressive individualism. Again, this is why we go back and we are just so thankful for the clarity. We're, we're just so thankful for, for the clarity of the Word of God. Jeremiah 17 says, the, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And, and Jeremiah 17 says, here's the, here's the other path. The other path is, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water, sends out his roots by the stream, and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Here's, here's the path forward. Trust in the Lord. I don't, I don't really like what the Lord has to say about that. Just, just trust in Him. There's, there's great joy there. There's great blessing there. There's, there's, there's way less anxiety. There's way less fear. Because you're planted. You're rooted. You have foundation. You, you go the way of moral relativism. You, you go the way of expressive individualism. You, you're, you're going the way of your, of your heart. And, and your heart is deceitful above all things. And it is desperately sick. Who can, who can understand it? Next week, what we're going to do is we're going to add critical theory um, to the mix. We're, we're going to sort of see how this combination becomes even more volatile, how it becomes um, even more unstable. Um, and, and, then, and, then, and then what we're going to do after that is we're going to turn um, and, and see. So, so, so we, we've seen, here's, here's what the Bible condemns. The Bible condemns these things. The Bible outright rejects moral relativism. It outright rejects expressive individualism. And then we'll see it outright rejects critical theory, but then, so, so what does the Bible advocate then when, when it comes to thinking about all this gender confusion? How should we think? And so we're going to see that um, as well. So we're going um, to work on those things um, next week and, and the week after. And um, until then, thanks for listening.